Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. adult man and I decide not to be friends with somebody is nobody else's fucking business. But my friends, if I fall backwards, will catch up. Scott Colton, I felt he never would have. My problem was I wanted to bring a guy with me to the top that did not want to see me at the top. Okay? Call it jealousy, you call it envy, whatever the fuck it is. My relationship with Scott Colton ended long before I paid all of his bills. I have every receipt I have every invoice, I have every email. I have the email where he says, and I quote, I agree to go our separate ways. I will get my own lawyer and you do not have to pay me. That's an email that I have. The only reason the public did not see is because when I finally had the counters to him in discovery, he discovered he shared a bank account with his mother. That's a fact. As 
soon as we discovered that fact that we subpoenaed old Marsha, he sent an email, oh, can we please drop all this? Now, it's 2022. I haven't been friends with this guy since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs and couldn't fucking manage a target, and they spread lies and bullshit and, and put into a media that I got somebody fired when I care where he works, where he doesn't work, where he eats, where he sleeps. And the fact that I have to get up here and do this in 2022 is fucking embarrassing. And if y'all are at fault, fuck you. If you're not, I apologize. But what did I ever do in this world to, go, to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like Hangman Adam Page to go out on national television fucking going to business for himself. For what? What did I do, Dave? What did I ever do? You tell me. Didn't do a goddamn thing. What's your name, sir? Dump D'Angelo. Fuck you. Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Pittsburgh. <laughs> I made it really clear in Forbes and I just want to make it clear again. And Nate it's went. not his position to make it very fucking clear. There's people who call themselves EVPs that should fucking know better. This shit was none of their business. I understand sticking up for your fucking friends. I fucking get it. I stuck up for that guy more than anybody. Okay? I paid his bills until I didn't. And it was my decision not to. Yeah, but I shouldn't have no commented when Nick first said it. It's my I, fault. And I if I actually, it's my fault. It's my I appreciate fault. it. I should have just I'm, taken the head off because he never but said But I'm trying it. to run a fucking business. And when somebody who hasn't done a damn thing in this business jeopardizes the first million dollar house that this company has ever drawn, off of my back and goes on national television and does that. It's a disgrace to this industry. It's a disgrace to this company. Now, we're far beyond apologies, right? I gave him a fucking chance. It did not get handled, and you saw what I had to do, which was very regrettable, lowering myself at his fucking level. But that's where we're at right now. And I would still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go. What's your question, Nick? Uh, first of all, you're always very nice to me. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask about MJF. Obviously, uh, he played a, a voicemail from you before he came out. Obviously, confronted you, uh, Punk. Um, why now? Why, why, why is MJF back in the fold now? How do you both feel about him being around? How do you feel about the time he spent away? All of that. Well, if I may, I'm the one who asked him to come back because uh, MJF's a big star in this company and this is a, one of the biggest events. A year ago, CM Punk debuted here and I thought it was right for the fans. And like I said, for the fans, I thought the best thing that we could do as a company was bring MJF back. He wants me to load the pricks constantly. That's, that's what it is. Nevertheless, uh, two of the top wrestlers in the world, MJF and CM Punk, could be oh. a big match down the line. Sorry to keep bringing this fucking up, but... I've never spoken his word, and I don't know how long, so I'm a little fucking pissed off about it. That's fine. When it came down that he was going to sue me, I asked to talk to him. He refused. I asked for mediation. It was denied. I offered him money. He said it was not enough. He went ahead with the lawsuit and sued. It's his fucking funeral. I don't care. He shares a bank account with his mother and tells you all you need to know about what kind of character that is. You are always very nice. I appreciate it. Sorry, I'm a little fucking 
is fine. That's fine. Right. I'm old. I'm fucking tired. I, totally I work with fucking children. I respect the situation. I regret not answering your question. And I only asked it because I have some familiarity and just wanted some clarification on the story. Yeah, I agree. should have just taken it head on like I did with Blake and Forbes recently. We're all learning here, Tony. It's okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. This is from Mindy's Bakery, by the way. It's a great place in Chicago if you like pastries and baked goods. You guys can go there. They're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. But, you know. <laughs> So I've asked questions of presidential candidates in my old life. I don't think I've ever been as nervous as I am right now, but I'll direct this one to Tony. Um, you saw the reaction MJF got when he came back out at the end of the night. Do you have any worries that uh, they just cheered in Chicago while CM Punk, hometown guys, do you have any worries about uh, MJF kind of, he got pure booze before. He was one of the last pure heels left in wrestling that didn't try to get cheered. And now he's sort of set up as this anti-authority figure. Do you, do you worry about what that means for the psychology going forward? Especially I think the fans want to see great wrestling matches. MJF's the top wrestler. CM Punk's the world champion, the top wrestler in the world. And I think having top contenders, whoever came out of this match tonight, MJF sets up as a great challenger. And now CM Punk uh, is the world champion. MJF being back. A lot of fans were excited to see it, but anytime somebody makes a comeback in the world of wrestling, generally you get a really big reaction. Am I worried about it? No, not really. Like we have one of the most charismatic, popular professional wrestlers in the world right here, and frankly, the fans can react however they want. That's what's great about AEW and pro wrestling. We're not trying to tell people what to think. This is a really compelling story. People were emotionally moved. People are calling that a great ending, and I'm really glad people liked it. But the fact is, it was a great match. It was a great ending, and. Now we'll see what happens on Wednesday. Is that going to headline Arthur Ashe, the, that match? I'm not going to comment on it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'll tell you why I'm upset about it. Because if you're an EVP, you don't try to middle your top baby face. Try to get your niche audience that's on the internet to hate him for some made up bullshit room. Really pisses me off. Stepping on your own dick. Trying to fucking you know, make money, sell tickets, fill arenas. And these stupid guys sitting there and receive it. Yep, Dominic D'Angelo at freeshows.com. Uh, Punk, last time we were here last year, I asked you about, like, Terry Funk and his influence, like, yeah. the legacy going on. Kind of, uh, and this is for you too, Tony. I kind of like, they're, they're, you do, you've done a great job with incorporating legends throughout, you know, the course of AEW and as it goes on. kind of want to see uh, what you feel about how a lot of the modern talent today can kind of utilize some of the advice and take advice from, like, guys like William Regal and uh, even, like, Jim Ross. Tony. Shivani, um, I know I miss it. Jake Roberts, plenty I miss it, I'm sure. But I just kind of want to get both of your perspectives on that and how that can kind of go a little bit more to to help you guys out grow as a company. We have a, uh, a locker room full of pretty brilliant minds. You know, Jerry Lindsay, Malenko, Mark Henry. You know, I, when I came back and I cut my promo my second week here, I was I thought it was pretty decent. You know what I mean? You know, I business for himself, and really I was defending myself, but you, know, you, you, you mix that in with attacking Moxley, as you mentioned, um, you know, Kingston being the second best Kingston, which is a pretty great line, um, you know, uh, but our locker room, for all the wisdom and brilliance it has, isn't worth shit when you have an empty-headed idiot who's never done anything in the business, do public interviews and say, no, I don't really take advice. Who the fuck do you think you are? You know? That's stupid. I'm on a team with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and I, 
I don't need to, I don't need to work on my swing. You know, I'm not gonna listen to these guys and tell me how to swing a baseball. Fucking go fuck yourself. That's how I feel about it. I, I, I dare you to fucking say that it's Terry Funk's face. I don't need to listen to you, Mr. Funk. I know what I'm doing. For a while. Next question over here. Uh, question for uh, Funk. Uh, Phil Lindsay from Bleach Report. So we can't hear you. Sorry. Um, question for CM Punk, uh, Phil Lindsay from Bleach Report. Um, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise your loss two weeks ago and the, your foot injury came into play. And I wonder, you know, how much of that came into play tonight? Because a lot of fans would assume that that was part of the reason you lost, but that didn't seem to hamper you tonight. Um, I'm wearing Dan Housen's boots, is a true story. So. <laughs> I, I assume that it's like some sort of a reverse curse. I've had a real problem with footwear. I've been trying to figure out like what to wear. And that's real life. Like I put my old wrestling shoes on and they didn't fit. I bought a new pair of 12s, they didn't fit. Um, I thought about wearing my gym shoes because they didn't have the stability I needed. And uh, I bought a pair of Doc Martens because they were really comfortable. But they were too loose. And then Dan Housen was like, you want to try mine on? And I'm like, they're a size 10. And I put them on and they just magically fit. It, it, it like, like unbelievable, like a glove. They're tight, but not too tight. They give you stability and they're comfortable as hell. So I owe them more money now. <laughs> hey, Z, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm sorry if I'm scary. That's okay. No, I like you though, you're right. Thank you, I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you don't know how to have it, Izzy, this is a, a supremely talented individual, um, but this goes for him and anybody else in the locker room that doesn't want to be here. You know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And Max likes to uh, shit where he eats instead of watering the grass. So we'll have to, we'll have to see how that goes. Nice, uh, John Alba Podcast Heat. Uh, Punk, a year ago we were in this room and it was after Adam Cole had debuted, Brian Danielson had debuted, and you said that it, it had the feeling of Bash at the Beach where, where there was that energy. That. It was that energy. That. And uh, uh, a year later, here you are, world champion, uh, through the trials and tribulations. What's your honest assessment of the last year for you personally and professionally?
I honestly think the sky's the limit. You know, there's always going to be people who think they should be the top guy, want to be pushed, you know, um, and I get that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Surgery was supposed to be an hour. It wanted to be like four and a half. I got three plates and 16 screws in my foot. And I essentially, I, I have a new foot now. You know, um, it is 100%, but it is a new 100%. And I'm, you know, I, I, every day I, I rehab. But when I, when I started rehab, this is the worst injury I've ever had. You know, um, I had surgery on my elbow. Easy, easy, easy. You know, lower back, I can bike the next day. I could get a coffee, I could go for a six hour walk, you know what I mean, I could do something. I was bedridden for two weeks, and it was really, really hard for me because I, I really wanted to have this great summer and do good for Tony and sell tickets, draw money, help with ratings, and it all just came crashing down with this life, you know, I, I missed out on Forbidden Door at the United Center, really wanted to wrestle there, you know, and I, and I, I, I have pride in my work. Carry the title and you know carry through the summer and just help grow the business. 
business. So it was mentally devastating. I was bedridden for at least two weeks. Uh, I would be dead if it wasn't for my wife. I would also be dead because of my wife if that third week I didn't get out of bed. <laughs> um, love people to death. I, I, I wouldn't be here right now in a lot of ways if it wasn't for her. Um, it may sound corny to some people not being able to walk my dog was like really challenging, you know. Uh, and then the, the rehab, like I could tell you how hard and painful it was and grueling, but I, I just wouldn't be able to do it justice. I was doing two and a half hours of rehab, plus once they told me I could bike, I was biking my life away. Then I would go to the gym later and lift weights and I was just trying to bust my ass to hurry up. And not necessarily hurry up to get back, I wanted to hurry up to get healthy because if I'm not healthy, I'm no good to anybody. It was just, it was really, really tough. I, I, I just think it's, you know, I'm a little older now. It was, just, it was pretty ridiculous. I, I think if I was 23, it would have been a hard injury, you know what I mean? Because I literally couldn't do anything. Try to get around on crutches up and down stairs, you know. I gotta walk two feet and go to the bathroom. Like a it, it was just, it was pretty bad. It, and it was depressing. Uh, but thank you for asking. <laughs> Last question for CM Punk. Will? Will Washington, uh, Fightful. What up, Will? How you doing, Punk? I'm okay. <laughs> I got a question for you. So, oh, that's why I'm here, right? Um, so, I guess a good way to round this out would be to point out the fact that uh, your win tonight brought to an end a fairly legendary run for John Moxley. He hasn't been defeated in AEW in over a year. And uh, even with the months out, um, he hadn't, uh, I believe it was, what, double or nothing last year was the last time he was pinned? Um, yeah, it was in a tag match. Yeah, in a tag match. Yeah, it was the first time he's ever taken a clean pin in an AEW match ever, I would say. I mean, where it was under pretty fair circumstances. Right. Over three years. Yeah, so it's a, that brings to an end a fairly legendary run for John Moxley. Can you talk about um, what it means to be the guy to put an end to that run for Moxley? It's, it's a beautiful thing because it's it's all pro wrestling, you know, and 
done right, it's, it's just magic. I, I, I think it's a hell of a talent. I, uh, I, I sure do appreciate it. You know. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you. I'll read Did Larry have a good time? Huge pop. Huge pop. What Malcolm do? Fuck Ron Francis. Scissor me daddy chance and, and all that good stuff. And man, boy, the uh, start off as a babyface, babyface exchange there, man, really kind of quickly turned you guys a little bit. Just talk about how insane that atmosphere was I would say, me personally, I don't really feel like it was a turn per se. I just think that when they say everybody loves the acclaim, it's a literal statement. And why not? They're fun, they're charismatic, they're awesome, they got a lot of heart. To me, that was just the kind of atmosphere I like. Like, we almost felt like we needed to prove something. And I think in the grand scheme of things, we did just that. Yeah, um, for me, it's like, I don't think we have to prove anything at all. I think we've done that already. I mean, we've been here like seven, six months and all that. Like, what more do we have to prove? We proved that in New Orleans against Starks and Hobbs. We proved that in Double or Nothing in Vegas. I proved that single-handedly on my triple threat matches in Vegas. And we did it again. 
on uh, in Georgia. You know, what more do we have to keep doing to keep proving that we are the mountain of this tag team division? And they have to come up, any tag team, really, acclaimed, especially they found that out tonight, they got to come up and prove it to us that they deserve this, that they need to, you know, like, hey, this isn't this isn't fun and games, you know what I mean? I take this seriously, Keith takes this seriously. Sometimes I may take it more seriously than him. But I don't think this is a shock at all. It's a surprise. We, I'm a performer and a professional before I'm a baby face or anything that you want to call me. I'm going to go out there and do what I do, regardless of the crowds behind me or not. I'm going to go out there and throw touchdown passes, whether they do me or not. I'm still going to score. That's what I do. That's what Keith does. Um, first off, congratulations on your win. In my opinion, you two had the match of the night. Thank you. Um, my name's AJ from the AJ Awesome Show. My question is, back in the Casino Battle Royale, it showed that you two had some <coughs> problems between the two. How, uh, how have those problems affected you, and do you think they will come up in the future? Uh, you want to take this first? I'll talk to the young man. Um, no, like... Like I said, I'm a very competitive person. I want to win in all aspects of this industry. Entertainment, with putting the best song out, having the best rap verse on a, on a track with great artists, and then getting to the ring with Battle Royal. I have a very highly competitive nature about myself. And it only grows the further I go, the higher up, the more than I do this. The more success I get, which I said that from day one, getting here in Orlando, Revolution, you know this, that's why you brought me out on that stage like the way you did. I am very competitive, I'm sorry. We didn't really have problems. We had like a little, little dip in the road and we fixed that. And you know what fixes everything? Winning. Uh, I would say this on a personal level. There, there is a slight difference in our mentality when it comes Swerve obviously is a very competitive person. I very much am, but for me to reach a specific level, and no one here has seen it yet, it's going to take a special someone to pull it out of me, to be worthy enough to pull out the other side. I enjoy the fun of the competition. I enjoy battles that make people feel what they felt tonight. That's what gets my blood pumping. And that's just something that makes me really go and, and, and fire up in this in this whole atmosphere. That atmosphere was something very different for me. I've never heard a crowd be so against me, and it just made me want to give up more. It was very different. But in the grand scheme of things, they impressed me. And I'm happy to be the one that bring that out of them. Like, hey, I'm going to rip your gear apart. I'm sorry. I'll pay for the gear later. Out of my own pocket, but I'm gonna do what I have to do. I'm a, I can get violent and really, really, really ravenous in that ring when I have to. And if I have to push the envelope like that to bring Keith Lee to that level, to push the envelope on him to defend these tag titles because so many people were against us having them in the first place. So we gotta prove a lot of people wrong. I'm always like that. I'm, Super King Petty when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because I read all y'all. I read everybody in here. I 
literally listen to all your podcasts. And I hear what you're <laughs> because the first thing that y'all say when we won the tag titles, no congratulations, no, oh man, finally y'all finally got your opportunities. Oh man, like, everything that Keith Lee's gone through with like like um like almost dying from having COVID and everything like that, coming from where he came from, me misunderstandings, oh let go out of this, oh miss all this stuff we went through, we finally climbed the mountaintop. It was so much ridicule and bullshit against us that oh we we don't deserve this we, this should have went to these, this should have went to these opportunities this opportunity should have went to these guys no I think these guys should have it everybody's saying it should go everywhere else but I'm sorry it's here and I'm not going to apologize for that I'm not actually going to freaking gloat about that and I'm going to raise my belts up high because I earned that I work hard everybody works hard but there's something special about Swerve and Lee that we actually have that and we deserve that. And to answer your question about the future of those problems, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of irrelevant. We've proven with problems we still win. And the fact of the matter is, as singles people, both of us have done history, historic things. I have done things that no one else has done. So you put us together, you have a team that is almost untouchable. And I'm confident enough to say that. With everything that I fought through, with all the transgressions and the transitions and, and things that we've fought through together, I don't, when we say we're mountains in this tag team, maybe we're Mount Everest. It's hard to touch us. That's just being honest. Hey, Next. Question, question for Toby. Um, given how, how crazy it was for the acclaim in the building, how much they were over tonight, in a way that I think probably surprised most of us in this room, the level of it. When you were sitting back there, did you have give any consideration to calling it audible? Well, I think it's, I mean, uh, it's up to these guys who are great wrestlers. Uh, why don't you come, why don't I address the match? And everybody's got questions for Keith and Swerve. I think it's great to talk to the champions, and then I'll talk about the match last. Thank you. Uh, last, last question here for the champs. Um, I'll do a follow-up on and I'll address the Keith and, and Swerve then. You know, there were, my timeline was filled with people saying if there was a time to call an audible, this was the time. Oh, okay, just forget yeah. about that. I think in the context of the wrestling match, Nick, forget about audible. I mean, the, you know, the, in, in the flow, that was a classic wrestling match. And, and if I may, it, what's your question? My, well, my question was how, you two feel, how do you two feel about reading, seeing people say that they thought that you guys should have maybe not won tonight? I could care less. Come get it from us. First of all, <laughs> Let me be honest with you. Social media is very much beneath me. It is very rare that I read it. Okay. I gotta I tell him about the bullshit. He really reports <laughs> to me and sends me links because I don't give a damn. Everything that I've done in this business, in this industry, just because we're in the ring and we make someone look incredible and we're good at it. We're very good at it. Stories are told, things happen. We pull something different out of everyone that we've ever fought. Now, I challenge you to, if this happens again with someone else, to have a better match than what we just brought. Accept the challenge and then show me. I need receipts. I'm just going to start asking for receipts from the line of that. Until then, it sounds arrogant, but I'm being very honest. Mount Everest. So much of climb. Good luck. If I may, that was one of the best tag team matches we've had ever on any pay-per-view. The reaction to the crowd spoke 
to how great of a match it was and how excited they were to see it. Uh, just last night, actually, on the Elevation Special, there was a big milestone in AEW. The Acclaimed became the all-time leader in tag team wins in the history of AEW for their career as a tag team, the winningest tag team in AEW history. They were tremendous. They put on a show tonight. That was a great match. I think we could all acknowledge that, and I think uh, you, you guys are all saying how great of a match tonight was. And I personally think that with Grand Slam coming up, AEW Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe, Dynamite and Rampage, big special coming up September 21st. I think that uh, I can't imagine a better match for New York than hypothetically a rematch between Keith and Swerve versus the Acclaim. Good. Well, why? 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 I mean, why? It's a great match. In their the whole time. Whole time. The so, so the no. reality is this. They did step up tonight. Okay. Okay. Why? Why did they step up though? Why did they step up? I'm not going to. No, no, no. Like, no, no say it for real. Like, say, why did they step up? You just said it. You just said it. With his answer. You just said that. There are times where beautiful magic is made. Now, are we part of that magic? We're the common denominator when it comes to magic in this. I don't know how much more we got to keep proving to everybody. And why do they keep getting these like, no. Here's my challenge to a claim. Okay. They stepped up. My challenge is. When you, if this is the match, this is the match? Confirm well, I'm just saying, I think it would be a great match. And you people are asking me, I mean, you know, you're asking me right now, I think it would be the best thing we could do at Grand Slam. I think they ask yeah. because they want to see I think, I I think they ask you. No, 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 Tony, Tony, I'm sorry. I think they ask me because they, this is another fucking tag team that's coming up that says they want the belts on them rather than us. How many more times are we going to do that? You heard the reaction. Y'all want that? Y'all yeah. want, want them to win? I no, they not, they're not better than us. Sorry. So I, I will say this. It's interesting that in our losses, we had to go down the ladder, but you want to do this rematch. But I'm not going to speak to that. I will admit, I enjoyed the ladder. They brought it. They stepped up. However, if they want to bring it properly, I would advise putting away the studio Get Billy Gunn's ass to the fuck out of there, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He was like a high school shooter out there. <laughs> that was incredible. That's that. But, well, I need to take some time to think about it, but I'm just saying, I think it'd be a great match for Grand Slam, and it'd be great for the fans. I'll be glad to whip their ass again. I'm cool. Like, whatever. It's what it, it's what it is. Miss me with it all together, but. Tonight was a great milestone in this company, one of the best matches uh, we've had. Yeah, four African American tag team, four people in that ring, too. So, with an African American referee. Boom. Make more history that we're going to keep doing. Realists. Where are the realists? Listen, man. That's what you want to do. I'm just saying it's the world champions against the all-time wins leaders. I come off one of the best matches in the history of the company on biggest pay-per-view. I don't know. I just think it would be something special. I think it's tonight's a big night. But I'm just putting something out there I think would be really great for the next time. You pay the bills, man. So you do what you got to do. Right, well, I'll be done. If that's the way we go, I think it sounds pretty good. All right. Don't be surprised. I'm like, Eric. <laughs> Alright. We done? We done or we done? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you Thank you.
Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, 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 Congratulations. Um, you know, we're kind of in a situation here now where we're, we just saw John Moxley come off of a run where he was the interim AEW World Champion, and he made his thoughts very well uh, clear what he thought of the I-word. Um, how do you feel about that I-word interim there? And uh, I mean, it's not ideal, um, but uh, Dr. Rosa says she's injured. Okay. Um, so when she says she's not injured, she can come back and lose to me, and that'll be the end of that. I guess that's a, that's a statement. That is a statement from the camera right there. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, I'd say we're coming off a great summer with an interim world champion, and you know, I, I know there's a lot of tough competition in that locker room for you, and every time you're in the ring, you give it a great fight. And that reminds me of the person who held the interim tag last time because I have to say, you could not ask for a better professional wrestler, a more professional person, or a better wrestler than the interim world champion AEW just had. And now, the person holding the interim title, I can say all the same things about I could not ask for a better professional to come into this company, this locker room, to elevate this company and what a pro wrestler Tony Storm is and what a professional indeed you are and what an honor is work with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm really, um, yeah, I just want to say <clears throat> a huge thank you to Tony Khan and the, uh, the Khan family and Cool Elite Wrestling because, uh, sorry to just lay this all on you guys. Um, in January, I had no job, no idea what I was going to do. Um, I walked away from what I, you know, everything I, I thought was normal in the world. And uh, in Tony Khan jumped into my life and uh, you know, gave me an opportunity uh, to enjoy what I love again and really find my passion again and, uh, and a chance at survival. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I just, I just, this is all just a bonus because I didn't even know I was gonna have a job. So, thank you. We were in Chicago, we were in the city, and we were at the United Center, and you had that amazing match, and you came so close to winning the World Championship at Forbidden Door, and I remember thanking you for the amazing match and telling you, you know, this isn't your last dance. 
there's going to be another time. And I didn't really know for sure that it was going to come so soon, of course. Nobody can be sure, and especially with four great wrestlers like you were in that great match tonight. But you are phenomenal, Tony Storm. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Questions? Hey, Dominic D'Angelo, Uh Tony, uh, you had an interview with Renee Head a little bit ago, and you talked about kind of those uh, trials and tribulations of, like, leaving the other company and, like, kind of going in the unknown, almost kind of, like, just being frustrated with wrestling overall. Could you kind of elaborate a little bit more on really in your husband who also talked like was a support system for you obviously too. But I kinda of wanna get a little bit more info about how how you kinda of got recharged batteries beforehand and you know, going to the AEW and seeing like where you came from moving on from that and going into wrestling again. Yeah, um it's just it's been a crazy
corner and cheer for her, you know, and, and be her little friend. I, you know, I, I came here to win championships. I didn't come here to make friends, you could say. I mean, I'll be cool and I'll be civil, but I mean, when she comes back, I'm gonna whoop her ass. Until Thunder Rosa comes back, I think there'll be a lot of great challengers. You mentioned some great ones. I think, like you mentioned, Jamie Hader, I think would be tremendous. Uh, there's a lot of other ones. You mentioned Anna Jay. I think also Ty Conti can hold before. Red Velvet, Serena Deeb. So many great Serena wrestlers. Deeb. The Serena Deeb. That's another top wrestler. Okay, there you go. I, <laughs> That's who I was trying to think of. Serena Deeb. There you go. And I thought, <laughs> I thought you might have been looking for that. And also, there's a lot of great wrestlers. In addition to Serena and all the great wrestlers she has to come through the Forbidden Door, but I think we hit on something there. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Second, so close. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Chris. Great. Chris, big star. Big. <laughs> I'm expecting back in black to hit over the loudspeakers and Chris waltzes in, so. <laughs> um, on the media call the other day, you said if somebody asked you about something that you would go into things more in depth on it. And it was heavily insinuated throughout the call uh, based on media reports as well that there may have been potential contract tampering or allegations of such. Uh, here's me asking about that further. Is there any comment that you would like to provide on that based on the media reports? I'm not, I can't say what happened between anybody. I'm just, uh, you know, the, all that you may have heard I think uh, what the wrestlers and what the talent and staff and people here compensated us is between me and them. And now here is arguably the greatest pro wrestler of them all. Thank you, sir. Great. Hey, guys. What's up? How are you doing? Good. Nice. Welcome to the same. Take it away. Oh. You. Me? Oh, I didn't have the, I didn't have the mic. Okay, Dominic D'Angelo at the show.com. Chris, it's pretty awesome to see you live hard back. Uh, I, you know, throwing up the WCW kids and stuff is pretty, pretty neat to see. Anyways, I thought, how was it kind of adjusting to the style that Brian Danielson brings and uh, kind of getting to, you know, kind of reclaim that kind of looking? Well, it's funny that it took 32 years for Brian Danielson and I to have a spotlight pay-per-view match. It's unbelievable when you think about it. I was thinking, when did this happen last? And this when I had a match with Undertaker, the first match we ever had after I'd been in WWE for 10 years. 
And I said, how did it fucking take so long for us to get, and I mean, we only had one match, never had a pay-per-view or anything. Uh, same with Brian tonight. It's just, I really, really enjoyed this match because it reminded me of the matches I used to have with Eddie and Chris and Dean and all. Back in the day, you didn't call anything. You know, you just went out and wrestled. You just wrestled each other. And to do that tonight was so much fun because there's only a few guys you can do that with. You know, and Brian is one of them, obviously. So, you know, at Lionheart, I mean, it's 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 a it's a fun gimmick, and it's but it's, it's still me, right? And it's just using all of the stuff that I kind of forgot about. You know what I mean? And it, you know, it's, it was just so much fun and just a, a, a fucking wrestling match. And I just like that. You know, it, really, it was really really a, a special one for me. Specifics don't need to be discussed, even though you can read them online. That was one of the things that was discussed. Don't leak shit that's supposed to be private amongst us. But I think that I, I, my message always is to remind people how special AEW is. And don't take that for granted. You know, like swearing and that sort of thing. Like all it takes is the wrong guy to see somebody say pussy or whatever the hell it is, and they're going to go, done. It happens. We know this. So just, I always want to remind guys that please don't uh, <laughs> ruin, or potentially ruin, this amazing world that we've created. We don't want guys going to run business for themselves. We, we don't, and we or can't, you know, and, and where I came from, working for Vince for 20 years, that was unacceptable, it would never happen. And I'm just trying to let people know that we're getting to the point now where these types of things are unacceptable as well. And we will start, you know, doing things that Tony would do if in the NFL world. And we are a pro sports multi-million dollar company with a huge television contract with another huge television contract coming up soon. So a lot of guys don't have that experience and don't realize just how special this is. So that's what I try and do whenever we have these types of meetings. And I have them, and Tony has them. We used to have a lot more, but now it's a little more frequent. Just to remind guys, stay, stay, stay on course. Guys and girls, you know what I mean? Stephen Milhausen with the zone, Chris, great match tonight. And you were talking about, you know, Eddie and Dean and Chris and why. And where does Brian rank among those guys in terms of now being in the ring with him? Well, I mean, I don't think there's such a thing as a bad Brian Danielson match. Um, and I don't really rank guys against each other because everybody's unique. Either you're good or you're not. And Brian is beyond good, obviously. He's, he's, he's one in a million. And, you know, the moment he came into AEW a year ago, right, I was like, man, one of these days we got to have a match. But to me, it's always the story that counts first. You know, you can put together a match, but if it's not a proper story, then it, what's the point? And we just started with Jeff Appreciation Society and Blackpool Combat Club and Anarchy in the Arena. That finish of Anarchy in the Arena, of, of Jake and I choking Brian out, was planting the seeds for a Jake and Brian match and for a Jericho Brian match, and that was three months ago, or whatever it was. We knew we were going to do this at some point and get to it, and we did. And and, and the thing about it is that like, I don't think it's it's one and done. There, there will be more. And the Danny Garcia thing just kind of once again organically happened. 
became this really cool twist to the story and very intriguing. We don't know for sure what's going to happen with that, um, you know, but we have to tune in on Wednesday to see the next step of it. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, Brian's one of the best. He really is. And, and, and the fact that I got to actually experience that once again, the last time I, I felt this way was when I worked with Taker for the first time. Just went like, where the fuck have you been all my life, man? Like, you know, I wish we had tours where we worked, we used to do 14 shows in a row. I could do that with Brian, you know, in many different ways. So it was just a real pleasure. Dave! Hey Chris, how are you? Good to see you guys, man. <laughs> so when it comes to the mentality of reinventing, so you're reinventing yourself all the time. Because you have to. You've been in the business for a long time and you keep being fresh. And how did the line art idea come in? I mean, in the it's, sense of, when you did it before, but you go back to something that it's almost like you're going back 25 years in your career. Yeah. I mean, did it just pop in your head one day? Or well, so it's an interesting story. So we uh, built up a match with, with Jericho and Mox at Quick by the Lake for the title. Um, and prior to that, I was just finishing up with Ada Kingston. And also Moxley was involved as well. But we did Anarchy in the Arena. And we did Blood and Guts. And then we did Barbed Wire Everywhere. And I remember Mox at one point, well, we need some kind of a gimmick. Like, we, we've done too many gimmicks. Like, why don't we just have a fucking wrestling match? And he was... And then he texts me during the week. Mox is a man of few words unless he's excited, in which case he'll talk your ear off. And he said, I got this idea. What do you think? I remember I was in London for my spoken word show. And he said, I got this idea. Why don't I say that? Leave all the bullshit behind. Leave the JS behind. I want the guy that I used to tape trade to see, that I watched ECW in Japan, the Super Jacob, the Lionheart, Chris Jericho. At first I was like, well, that's interesting because I'm not a guy who likes the nostalgia. But I was like, that's really cool. It's almost like I had just done the pain maker with barbed wire everywhere. Why can't we do Lionheart? That's actually really, really cool. And Tony loved it as well. So then I had the vest. And then I went, I have a storage unit where I looked through boxes of stuff. And I found the kick pads, those original kick pads. I could not find the tights. But I thought if Kiss was going to go on tour and wear their costumes from 1977, they wouldn't wear the exact costumes. They'd get new ones made. So that's what we did. We got new ones made. We found the White Zombie song, Electric Head, which was my ECW theme, and it all kind of just fell together, and the first one was such a huge success, and that's because I was like, this is great, that I'll probably not do it again, but Tony Rudd, and he's now building a whole story around it, and it's, it, once again, it fits in with the heel Jericho, almost delusion, I'm better than that, I found the youth, I'm better than ever, I have the best wrestler in the world, like, I can say that stuff as a heel, because it's so funny. When I lose a match, it's a great match. When I win, oh, 51-year-old Jericho's burying me. <laughs> you know, so, so I can kind of use that. I bet I found the family. Of course, I beat Brian Dennis. I'm the best wrestler in the world. So there's, there's, that intrigues me as well because it's that little kernel of truth that I always like as a heel that you can just overblow to where people are like, shut the fuck up already, man. You know, like I really am having, we talked about this, maybe the best year of my career ever as far as star ratings and just great matches and like you pointed out, different styles of matches too. So let's use that to our advantage. That the hiding hiding, it's pretty fucking cool. It's been a great year. So let's continue that. It's great. And, and also to, just to add a little bit more color to it. So I loved it. When I heard about it, when uh, Chris and John, when I talked to them both, I loved it. I thought it was 
amazing. And then coming out of it, it was so special. Uh, the Quake by the Lake was a huge success, and the company's really heated up since then. You know, we were talking box office, and I'm sure I'll talk numbers and stuff when Chris isn't here, but Chris is a big numbers guy. And the company is doing, you know, some, some of our best numbers. We've had this incredibly hot run with Chris and John here, and now we're as hot as we've been. And, you know, the consistency we had through the summer with, with Chris Jericho and John Moxley is top featured guys on television. I think of them as almost like the Sting and Ric Flair. This company, guys that have been there from the beginning that I can always count on. And that will be associated forever with as the first two champions of the company. And then the way, the stability they brought through the summer. But then to tip it off and have such exciting things, quite by the late, the great championship match, Punk comes back. And have all the exciting stuff. The place is going wild. But then uh, something we've been excited about for doing so long. Danielson versus Jericho and the Lionheart thing. The day after Quake by the Lake, they showed that side-by-side. -side. Did everybody see the side-by-side -side of Jericho in 96 and in 2022? I mentioned this to Dave last night, uh, but for everybody, I was there in 1996 when that photo was taken. I, I was, how old are you? 12. So I was just a year older than you. I was 13 years old, and my dad took me to the ECW arena. I was actually here in the state of Illinois. I got to the University of Illinois Laboratory High School. They tricked me because they said if you take the exam, you don't have to go, you just have to prove that you can do it. So a bunch of my friends from school were actually here, people I grew up with, who were at the show tonight with my dad. And they, they tricked me, because then I, I passed the exam, I got the 99.9 percentile on this exam, and it was like, well, I didn't you have to. And I was like, what? That's a bait and switch. If I've ever seen one, I was like, oh, you can do anything. You can do anything you want. So I was a little, I was your age, and I got to go and see him. Do you know what they chanted when Chris left? And yeah. They chanted, you sold out, and Chris was the biggest young babyface wrestler in the world, in my opinion, was the best young professional wrestler on the planet. And I was holding a sign that literally said, Chris Jericho is the best wrestler in the world. <laughs> and I had another, I had another sign, you know what it said? Yeah. Shane Hart's Sean. Uh, but that's another story. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny though, like, the match, the, my final match in Silverino was against two Gold Scorpio. And the finish was a shooting star press, and he came down, and, and he was so agile, he was a big guy, probably 240. He came down with his elbow right on my eye, and I've had a giant black eye. When that finish happens, if you pause it, you can see a young Tony Khan in the crowd with his dad, Shad. Can you imagine Shad Khan, this fucking brilliant billionaire, walking into the ECW arena in 96? I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> He's a man of his word, is what he is. He's a man of his word. And then this was the intermission. We went to intermission, and... Uh, I went up to people in the front row and I was near tears and I was like, and you know, there's like a lot of English football fans that's a great example of, and I think there's people in England who are fans of the NFL that's a great example of. Sometimes you're a fan of a team and it's like your heart and soul and you breathe it and sleep it, but you've never even been to one of the games before. There's like people here who feel like that about, there's Poland fans or fans of a lot of the English teams and vice versa. There's people in England who've never been to an NFL game in America before, though they might come this morning in London. But, uh, so it was my first time in the ECW arena, but I felt like I'd been there a hundred times because I watched it and I walked up to people and I go, uh, they were like, what are you so sad about? And I go, it's Jericho. We got the best wrestler in the world here. And they chanted, you sold out of him. He's going to WCW. Let me ask you, who would ever want to come wrestle in front of us now? And I was like, oh, it's like I've been there a hundred times. And, and but, but that photo was taking, Chris looked as good as he ever has. And honestly, a lot of the guys, when they saw that photo, they all said the same thing. Chris looks better now, which is crazy to think. And he's as good as he's been, like you said. I mean, you look at the numbers, don't lie again. Like, this is as good a year as you ever have had, according to the date, at least. And, uh, and I, I think, you know, uh, Mox was right when you came out of the ring. Mox said that's, he's wrestled you a lot of times, but he thought you're better than you've ever been. That was the best match he's ever seen you have. 
and tonight is incredible. Lion Arts taking it to another level, and I, it's only the beginning, so I'm really excited. And last two questions, Abe. Abe Gander, Rock 95.5. Can you guys consider doing a Fozzy show after a live rampage? Would you do a live rampage show? Because those are short shows. We used to do that early on in Fozzy, but it's hard. It's, it's hard to do. You know, you can't do both at the same time. And I can do both. Like when we tour, we tour five days on and Tuesdays and Wednesdays are off to do Dynamite. And sometimes I'll miss the Dynamite when we're on tour. But doing the show, uh, the, the, the Fozzy show after uh, uh, any time show would be very hard for me. Because it's two separate mentalities, you know what I mean? So I can't even imagine trying to do it. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that'd be very hard. Chris and Denise Alcedo from Instinct Culture. So I, I wanted to ask you, given your history with MJF, what did you think of his return tonight? I loved it. I was not expecting, like, I, I knew he was here, but I was not expecting what uh, what I saw, and I thought, oh, that's really, really cool. Now, the thing is, I worked with MJF for a year, and I know how creative he is and how good he is, so it doesn't surprise me. What surprised me the most is that we got Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, and I'm like, okay, that's some money for sure. White Zombie, Electric Head, that's a certain level. You'd be surprised. I would be surprised. <laughs> I, I know that we asked for Van Halen uh, at one point, and they wanted like a million or some ridiculous thing. And ACDC wouldn't even call us back. So the Stones are much uh, cooler and, and cheaper, apparently, um, or maybe not that cheap. But either way, I just well, they thought, played our stadium for TIA. That's back. Right, we that's had a right, great time. That's right. So I, I thought it was—it doesn't surprise me at all, even though I was pleasantly surprised at, at how we did it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of MGF. I really am. And I said to him, when you come back, you're going to be a baby face. And he said, I don't want to be a baby face. I want to be a baby face. I said, it's, it's going to happen. He said, I don't know what to do. I said, I'm sure The Rock said the same thing. Or Steve Austin said the same thing. You can do a baby face come back. I teach. It's easy. Getting, it's easy. It's easier to make people hate you than it is to make them like you. But once they start hating you, that's when they really start liking you. And he's almost at that point. That's my prediction. I think he'll be one of our top baby faces, whether he wants to be or not, very, very soon. A game changer. That's my opinion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. 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 Thanks, um, this wasn't really seen to the fans on TV, but in the arena, uh, we saw after the six-man tag between the House of Black and uh, Darby Sting and Miro, we saw at the top of the stage the House of Black uh, hug, and then um, we saw Malachi kind of take a bit of a bow and blow a kiss to the fans. Um, is there anything we should all know about what's going on there, or... Um, was there any symbolism that that had anything to do with? I'm not sure. I can't comment on that, though. But uh, that that was uh, for live fans, and it definitely got some people talking. So it is a thing that happened. But no, I can't comment on that. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Uh, I wanted to ask about kind of a follow-up uh, sure. about your comments about diluting the contract tampering. You, you were also asked about a potential WWE AEW Super Show, and you said not after the way they treated me. What happened when you when you say something like that? How were you treated? What, what was the exchange there with WWE? I had a number of interactions with them, and I don't. I just I, I'm not. You know, I, I was super. I, I said a lot of 
stuff and and I don't regret saying that stuff because I'm super honest about pro wrestling and when I saw good stuff happening there I'll be the first to say it but yeah it's just they're not feeling the same love is there a reason for that? I, I don't want to get into it but uh, you know uh, I just haven't felt the same love reciprocation that I have uh, for them There's still like a lot of wrestlers in professional wrestling who don't get along, and now it's more apparent than ever that there are those things. But I also think that the industry has thrived on creative tension for a long time. And then you might say, well, what if it doesn't manifest itself in the match right away? And I also think that, it, you know, as I mentioned other times this weekend, when in the 90s, which is arguably the all time business peak and, and interest peak, and really, I think, just the general peak of pro wrestling in many ways, the late 90s and early 2000s, like, uh, you know, there was certainly a big, big group of pro wrestlers uh, who did not like each other. There were a lot of people who didn't get along, and a lot of times they weren't even in the same companies and they would rip each other. <laughs> and it was, it was certainly not gonna produce a match. But that is what we produce, is wrestling matches. And there are a lot of matches uh, between people who probably don't get along and don't like each other, and it's not always an easy road to get people in the ring. But when you can get people in the ring to settle their differences in the ring, it can be really exciting. Um, there's a lot of conversation about people not getting along, not liking each other. I definitely, definitely uh, think that it's probably more apparent than ever that there's a lot of that. Uh, I don't like, and I don't like everything either. You know, people. I don't like everything people say, and uh, there's people that have uh, said things uh, pretty blatantly. Even people that like work here that have just gone out and slammed me blatantly in public and there's only so much of it that I'll take. I'm a pretty nice guy and I'm very flexible. Um, you know, it's nice being home. Uh, as a segue, I, uh, you know, being here, seeing a lot of my friends, I have a pretty calm demeanor generally with people and I'm willing to put up with a lot of abuse. Something that came up where I was doing an interview this week was one of the guys uh, that interviewed me while I was in town. He went to the University of Illinois and we kind of put together that I had bartended for him many, many times and served him many drinks over the years when I was a bartender in college. I have uh, that. I have a demeanor of uh, service. I try to service people, and that includes the wrestling fans. I will go around and ask if I can help somebody. I will gladly uh, offer somebody a hand or pour somebody a drink or whatever I need to do to make somebody feel better. But there's only so much slamming me and uh, knocking me I can put up with, but on the other hand, I will do like what's right for business when I have to. And so I think, you know, to be honest, um, when people don't get along, people don't like each other, I think I've been probably had people saying about as much stuff about me over the last few months as anybody, and sometimes you just have to take and move on to business, and that's part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, man. Yes, I love Sorry for the, yes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Can you tell us how this pay-per-view is selling? Usually you get digital right away. Yeah, digital. Uh, so I'm, I, I am going to say I don't have an exact number for you. I think it's, it's probably, there's a 
chance it's going to be the second highest all-out ever. It may not be the highest all-out. It might be the first time we haven't hit that high. I knew last year the all-time high would be challenging. There's a big difference between this year and last year. We were the first professional wrestling show and the only professional wrestling show on Labor Day weekend last year, and we were the third professional wrestling show of the weekend this year. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, and when I talk about things I wasn't thrilled about, um, I was a little surprised we were the third professional wrestling show this weekend, and it's probably a little bit more challenging in the marketplace um, when it becomes a little more crowded. So our performance, given you know prior years, we never had this kind of competition. It's kind of a first for us in AEW to see this kind of crowd marketplace. I'm not sure if this is what we'll see from now on. If it is, when the fight is brought, I will continue uh, bringing up fights of my own, and I have unique ways to do that. A lot of money to fight with. And uh, this is not a game to me. This is uh, my life, and I don't think it's a joke, uh, and I take it really seriously. And yeah, so I am very happy with the numbers we did, given the competition we had. I was hoping that it would be the all-time high for All Out, but it, I'm not sure it's going to quite hit that. So it's the first time in AEW pay-per-view in history did not top the number before, probably. But that being said, it's still going to be uh, – Again, the second highest number we've ever done for All Out, and this year will end up being the biggest year on pay-per-view in AEW's history by far for pay-per-view revenue. It won't even be close. So uh, even with full gear to come, I'm quite confident this will be our all-time high for pay-per-view. Can you put it in a rank with other pay-per-views this year? It's pretty similar to the other pay-per-views this year. I think it would be, Forbidden Door was an unprecedented success and the biggest debut in AEW pay-per-view history. Uh, a lot of the buys were international, and the price point is obviously a little bit lower on international. I think this would be more total buys and a higher domestic percentage, so the revenue would be significantly higher than Forbidden Door. I expect it to be similar to Double or Nothing, um, but All Out last year was higher than Double or Nothing was last year. Double or Nothing this year was the high all-time for Double or Nothing, obviously. I don't know if we'll quite hit that, but I do think uh, it's going to be uh, in that range. So uh, very good, given the competition that we've never faced before. This is kind of an unprecedented marker, in my opinion, but... It's still the, the number is the number, and I have to face the competition out there. But when I compare myself to Jim Crockett promotions this weekend, I think I got a taste of the same medicine Jim Crockett promotions took. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot more, more fucking money than Jim Crockett did. <laughs> I'm not going to get, I'm serious, I'm not going to sit back and take this fucking shit. Okay, uh, two more questions here. Go ahead, Steve. Tony, thank you for the time and a great show today. Thank you. And, you know, you look at, you see your biggest, without a doubt, your biggest star, your biggest mainstream attraction, and he goes off the rails a little bit towards your EVPs, another one of your big, one of your big young stars, and you as the leader of the ship, how do you try the best to fuse the entire situation? That is a dicey situation, and it is uh, contentious, and uh, frankly challenging, but I have to do what's best for the sake of the company, and everybody you're talking about are great professional wrestlers with big reputations, people that, uh, and some of them have been around from the beginning of the company, some of them have been around uh, just for about a year now, but the fact is, these are people that drive revenue and they help create jobs for everyone, so I'm not gonna uh, you know, comment on uh, what you may have heard here, but the fact is, like I said earlier this week, it's no secret a lot of professional wrestlers don't like each other, but I think now it's probably more out in the open than it's been in a while. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for the pro wrestling business given what the product that we produce is and it's wrestling matches and it involves tension and people wanting to fight and people know there's a lot of people that want to fight each other around here now and, and I don't think that's terrible. Okay, uh, 
Okay, just going to do last question here. John Alba, last question. I would just like to dive a little deeper on into specifically the elite and the contributions that they've had to your company as EVPs and helping you get the company off the ground there. And as you've brought in different attractions throughout, roles have shifted in, in some degree one way or another. Where do they currently stand within your regime here in AEW? Have their roles changed in any capacity as some of these things have unfolded? Uh, no, I think those guys have been key people in, in the planning and the organization of the shows and, and involved in the business from day one. And I think the business has grown and I've had to take on more, but I think those guys have taken on strong roles and you saw tonight, what an amazing match they put together on screen. And they have huge behind the scenes contributions in, in terms of the business and um, different aspects, whether it's Kenny and video gaming and and you know important revenue streams that we're driving and the young bucks and many things mentoring and uh the leadership they provide and you know it was a big milestone tonight i don't want to take it lightly like it's very cool to me that kenny omega is the first triple crown champion in AEW history i think it's really cool to have somebody who's been the world champion a tag team champion and now the first trios champion and it's a very cool way for kenny to come back and i think Kenny Omega and the Unbox is one of the best acts in professional wrestling and behind the scenes, incredibly valuable people too. AJ, did you, okay, AJ, no, do you have anything for me? Did you uh, hit that yeah, if you're... I just want to let, I want to make sure you're off, you say it late and you seem like you wanted to say last something. Last question for AJ. Then, That's then it. We're out. AJ's awesome. And I'll okay, AJ, sure yeah. it. Just ask it. Um, first off, great show tonight. And... Oh, thank you. Lisa. Um... I'm gonna repeat it if the mic didn't hear it. Sure. First off, great show tonight. And um, another thing that people didn't see tonight on TV was the debut of Larry running out into the arena before the show. What was the reaction from you and backstage to Larry running out on stage? Well, Larry uh, is a live wire, and that was a live moment for the live crowd if there ever was one. Uh, I'm glad you didn't run out when there was wrestling going out there. And, uh, but luckily, CM Punk got control of the situation and wrangled him in there pretty quick. But Larry uh, got a taste of the live crowd. You know, I, I don't know, Larry likes, I think Larry's like a sheep herding dog is what Phil said. He likes to like herd people and keep them. So to see that many people, he must have been like, oh man, it's a lot of people. He likes a lot of people in one place. So uh, I thought um, he had a good time. It seemed like he had a good time at the show tonight. When he arrived, he was in good spirits, Larry. Um, okay, thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Really thank well, hey, great time. Thank thanks, everyone, for coming. I always really appreciate it. And uh, thanks. And hopefully, I'll get to see some of you soon uh, at our next film. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.